0: Amen, I can be quicker than that, amen. If you listen fast, I'll preach fast. Amen. Boy, that was that was good. I'm still processing, so... Amen. Acts chapter 11 this morning. Acts chapter number 11. Boy, I love missions. And it's true, I, I'm just sitting there... I grew up in church, and uh, our church that I grew up in as a, as, a, as a kid was, I mean, we had some missionaries, and what that was was a board at the back of the church, and there was a few pictures there, and about every uh, six months or so, the letter would change, and that was pretty much the extent of missions, and uh, I remember going to a church when we first started there at Amazing Grace, we had some supporters, including your church. And uh, I remember being asked to go preach at a church of uh, a brother that supported our church, and we went there, and I, I was always very careful to send letters, often, to give report. And I remember going there and looking back on the mission board, and the, year that, or the letter that was posted there was a year old. And I thought, I know I've sent letters, but it just wasn't a thing. And uh, I'll tell you what, when, when missions becomes a thing, I like what he said, God gets in your business when you get in his, amen? And I knew there had to be more to missions than that, and I asked, I asked a lot of questions and had some really good examples, and um, then, then had the opportunity, just what he said about going to see it and going to check it out, and you never know really about it until you go, and boy, God just, I mean, I was just a maritime boy. I grew up in, born in St. John, New Brunswick, and just grew up there and never went anywhere, Never went anywhere. I mean, we didn't go anywhere. We have people in our church that have never been outside our province. And uh, we took a brother to the Philippines who had never even left the province. And the first flight he ever took was 18 hours. <laughs> and he was green the whole time. But when he got there, he just could not believe it. He could not believe that he was, he just kept saying, Am I really here? Am I really here? You know? And uh, then later on, he went back again. He enjoyed it so much. And that guy, that guy grew up in our, got saved, grew up in our church before me. And he got saved and got married. And nobody ever thought he'd get married, but he did. He got married and he had some children. That man's worked a minimum wage job his entire life. And I'll tell you, there's no finer giver in our church than that man right there. Oh, he may have his problems, and he does. He does. But he doesn't have a problem with giving, amen? And man, it has been such a blessing to see what God's doing in other places. Acts chapter 11, and I can, I can get this, I like to eat just like the next person, amen? So I can get this thought out in a hurry and we'll go eat, amen? But uh, Acts chapter number 11, my brother-in-law Bud, I think he's been here. And some of you know Brother Bud, he is a good before-lunch preacher. Amen. I mean, he preaches wide open, a million miles an hour, and he's only got about 20 minutes in him, so he's always a good one to save for right before lunch. (laughs) Amen. It's a blessing. Acts chapter 11, verse number 26, a familiar verse. It says, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass after a whole year, they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first, in Antioch. I'm sure that this is not an original thought to you, but this was not a name they gave themselves. This was a name that was given to them because of how they acted. Amen. And you know, I grew up in church. I got saved at a young age. And you know, you you really don't think a whole lot about your testimony when you grow up in church. I mean, you just go to church, Sunday school. So, I mean, I hope that's the way you raise your kids. If you're raising them in church, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we went to the nursing homes and the street preachings. And every time the door was open, we were there. And even if it was an open door somewhere else, we went To the open door somewhere else, too. Amen. Dad, he was involved in every ministry our church had going. If it was street preaching, he ran it. If it was the nursing home, he ran it. If it was the young people's, he ran it. If it was changing the letters on the church sign, he was the one that did it. If it was the cleaning or the junior church or the Sunday school, he was the one doing it. And that's how I was raised. I was raised getting up on Sunday morning at six o'clock to get on the 15 passenger van to drive to St. John to fill it. And I even saw times dad would go in, he would take find some clothes there on the floor somewhere and he'd pass them to the kids and they'd get dressed and we'd put them on the bus and give them a Tim Horton sandwich. And, And that's how I was raised. And so I never really gave a whole lot of thought to my testimony, to what other people really thought of me. I just was busy going along doing whatever I was doing there in the church. But you know, it's important to have a good Christian testimony. Amen. It's important. And so I'll just give you a few things, and we'll be quick here this morning, but give you a few things... You know, I did a little poll in our church. I did a little poll in our church, and I asked the people in our church, if you could only pick one word to best describe what this world needs to see in you, what would that be? And you know, there was a lot of different answers, but the one that stood far above all the rest was integrity. The world must see integrity. Integrity is purity, unadulterated, unimpaired, genuine purity. That's what the world needs to see. That's what they said the world needs to see. Amen. These folks here, they were called Christians first in Antioch. You know, I don't know how you think, but I often wonder, I wonder how that started. I wonder if it was one person, all of a sudden they said, look at those folks over there, they're they're like Christ. That's what Christian means, you know, like Christ. Look at those people, They're, they're such dedicated followers of Jesus. I wonder if that would ever be your reputation. If that would ever be what someone said. You know, there's a lot of things people can say about us, amen? And there is a lot of things I'm sure people say about you, whether you know them or not, amen? And there's a lot of things people say about me. But what we ought to desire for people to say is, man, they're just so much like Christ. And, And that was so prevalent there in Antioch that it became the first place where the world and the people around them and in their community and their society began to call them Christians now you know I know I'm sure Portage is the same as Bridgetown there's a lot of things that profess to be Christian that aren't like the United Church in our town with a funny colored bench on its front lawn or the other church down the road with the woman pastor and there's all kinds of things that call themselves Christian, Amen. And nowadays to be identified as a true Christian is kind of, most of the time it's derogatory. Amen. But you know I'm okay with that, because as you learned last night, I don't mind fighting, Amen. So it's okay, but I want to be no I want when people come to Bridgetown, they may say this about that church and this about that church. They may say a certain thing about this person or that person, but I want them to know where the Christians, the real Christians, go to church. And there's some things you'll need in your life to have a good Christian testimony. Amen. Number one thing, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look there with me if you would, 2 Timothy chapter 1. You say, I want to have... How many of you would want to have a good Christian testimony? I mean, that's important. Amen. It's important to have a good reputation, a good Christian testimony. The first thing you've got to have, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. You've got to have assurance of your salvation. You've got to. 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, the Bible says, For the which cause also I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I believe that in Christianity, in the church, the most awful attack Satan has made is the attack against eternal security. It's probably the thing I deal with more in church when people come to our church is they do not have assurance of their salvation. And you will never have a good Christian testimony when there is a question mark hanging over your soul's eternal destiny. Amen. If you're here this morning and there is even a question in your mind, I'm not talking about an emotional response because of you, but I'm talking about if there is a question in your mind as to whether or not you are born again, you'll never develop a good Christian testimony. Never. As long as that question remains. Amen. We have a, a family that's been visiting our church. They've been there for over a year now. And they come from a, a background of religion, of course, that likes... You know, and, and all religion likes to keep a question mark on your salvation. Amen. They, they like you to think that your works has something to do with it or there's something that you can do in order to lose you. And, of course, that's for control. Amen. Religion loves to control your salvation. Amen, but, but it's not in their control. Your salvation is settled in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, not in the work of any man. Amen, and, and any church that teaches you that your salvation is dependent on you, it's a cult. Amen. But they love to do that. And so they come and they have all these questions and they're not sure if they're saved. And you know, they think one moment they're saved, and the next moment they're not sure. And and I'll tell you what, their life is unstable, it's unsettled, their children don't know which way to go. They don't know one day they're saved, and now they're questioning, and we I think we're saved, and we need to get baptized now, and then they go back and back and forth and back and forth, and you'll never establish a good Christian testimony. Wondering if you're even saved. Right. Amen. I remember first, I remember, I'm just, I don't know how to preach except just to give you my experiences. But I remember getting around meetings. We'd go down south and get around meetings. And I'd watch and I'd see people that I thought for sure they were saved. And they'd get saved. And you go back the next year, and there would be a big mess, and they get saved again. And three, and four, and five times, and you know, they struggle with everything else in their life because they can't ever get their salvation settled. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. If you want to develop a good Christian testimony, you have to have assurance of your salvation. Are you sure you're saved? Amen. You say, well, I don't feel saved. Well, I'm glad it's not. I'm feeling. Amen. Boy, there's some days I don't feel saved. Amen. But I know whom I have believed and I know he is keeping me saved. Amen. You got to have assurance of your salvation. Let me give you the second thing here. Luke chapter four, verse number four, Luke four. I'm just talking to you something simple this morning, how to have a good Christian testimony. I want to be known as a Christian. And, you know, as this world gets darker. Amen. It's it shouldn't be as hard to be known as a Christian. Amen. The darker this world gets, the more you ought to stick out like a sore thumb. Amen. It shouldn't be that hard, but you got to be sure you're saved. Amen. You got to be sure you're saved. In Luke chapter four and verse four, Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. In order to have a good Christian testimony, you must acquire a basic scripture knowledge. You must. I am amazed. You know, over COVID, God blessed our church and it, it grew. Uh, we were the only church having services for a long ways around. And so, you know, people would come because their church was shut down and we were still doing things. I can't tell you what things we were doing, but all kinds of things we were doing. And we were still doing things. So people started to come. And we had a wonderful uh, brother and sister there. They're in their 70s. They were going to a church that had shut down. And, and, you know, know, it was dead anyways. And they were done with dead religion, you know. But anyways, they started coming. And, you know, they've been saved for over 30 years. And you know what his wife told me? She said, never once, never once until I came to this church was I ever challenged to read my Bible. Never read her Bible. 30 years saved. Never read her Bible from cover to cover. I couldn't believe it. Amen? I couldn't believe it. You're never going to have a good Christian testimony without a basic knowledge of Scripture, and you're never going to get a basic knowledge of Scripture without reading it. You can try any program you want to, but I assure you the best way to read your Bible is to start in Genesis and end in Revelation. I know it's not chronological, amen, but God put it that way in there for a reason, amen. And you got to just start reading that. You're never, never going to have the reputation of being a good Christian, an Antioch type Christian without having some Bible knowledge. Amen. And I'm not just, ta- I know we, we could go through all that this morning about reading it and studying it and meditating on it and all that kind of thing. But I'll tell you where the failure in the church today is. It's in the doing of it. Amen. I know here you've got a good preacher and I know you get taught through the word of God and most of us are in good Bible believing churches. But what do we do with it? Amen. Having a basic knowledge of scripture is accompanied with a doing. And not just being a hearer of the Word, but being a doer of the Word. Amen? But man, Scripture, you you can't live without it. Amen? You know, he talks about the bread alone, that's the physical, but the every Word of God, that's the spiritual. We need the Word of God, and you're never going to have a Christian testimony. I mean, you think about the early church. They were getting it every single day. Amen? Now we see it less And less. there goes the Wednesday night, there goes the adult Sunday. You know, it's been amazing. You know, like I said, a lot of growth and people come from various religious backgrounds, you know. And one brother came and he said, you have three services on Sunday. You preach three times on Sunday. Listen, I grew up in church. I've seen that. I didn't know there was anything else. He said three times, three different messages. Well, yeah. I can't believe that. That's amazing. And Wednesday night we study the Bible. Yeah. Wow. I said, "What did you do in the church you came from?" He said, "We had one service on Sunday, and we had small groups on Wednesday." I said, "What is small groups?" He explained what small. I said, "Oh, it sounds like a good recipe for a church split." Amen. Multiple little groups with multiple little leaders where everybody shares their differences. That sounds like a fabulous idea for somebody looking to split a church. Amen. Most of our independent Baptist churches in Canada are small groups without making them small. We're just a small group of people. Amen. (laughs) You've got to have a basic Scripture knowledge, amen? You can't be saved without the Word. You can't be washed without the Word. You can't grow without the Word. You can't live without the Word. You're never going to be known as a Christian. You're never going to develop a solid Christian testimony without getting a love for this book. And that's one of the things I appreciate about your pastor when I was still just a young man. He invested some time into me. He sent me some cassette tapes, and I don't think I did very well with it, Brother Carlson, but I did listen to him. He said, I want you to listen to these. I want you to send me uh, two things that you learned. I still have the letter. Two things from every tape you listen to, two things you learned, send it to me. I don't think I did very well with that, but I did appreciate it. Amen. What, I think what he was trying to do is put a love for God's Word in me. Amen. You're never going to be the Christian you ought to be without acquiring a basic Scripture knowledge. And boy, I'll tell you, if you get in there on some of the basics, it, it's supposed to grow your appetite. You know, I appreciated Brother Ray's Man, He takes that passage of Scripture and just goes down through each verse, dissects that thing down, and puts it in a sensible manner, and there it is, and you think, "Whoa!" Man, that was good. That was all right there. Amen. Doesn't don't you ever get a desire to be able to do that? Amen. Don't you ever get a desire to be? This, maybe someday the pastor will call on me to teach the Sunday school class. Amen. You can't live on milk forever. I like the brother this morning said. Look around here, we all like this fake milk, and I knew exactly what he was talking about. Amen. Amen. I mean, this guy's going to be a farmer who's he's milking the cow and he's got the milk and the cream rises to the top and there's half cream and half milk. I know all about that. That's what we were raised on as kids. Amen. And listen, you got to get to the, you, the cream is where it's at. He said they skimmed some of it off. I thought, shame on you, brother. You're just supposed to shake that in and down it goes. Amen. That's good stuff. Amen. Man, the milk is good, but the meat is better. Amen. We also got talking about steak. My brother-in-law, man, he has no taste buds. You could cook a hot dog and a steak and he'd do the same thing. Cook it well done and put ketchup on it. Amen. I will not cook for that guy. I won't do it. I would not waste a steak on him. Amen. If you put a hot dog and it looked like he would not even know the difference. It just he's just Hoover. Down it goes. Amen. (laughs) But man, I'll tell you, when somebody gets up and he opens that book and he gives you some meat and some steak and it sticks on you, don't you ever want to be that guy? You know, for a long time, I really did. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to get up there and I'm going to hoop and holler and make everybody run around and go crazy and and that'll be success. But you know what? It didn't last. It didn't last. I mean, you got to get in there and get something. You're not going to get something just showing up at camp meeting. you kind of got to be here the rest of the time. If we're going to hoop and holler, this is going to be it. If it, but if you're going to grow and you're going to develop a good Christian testimony, that starts Sunday morning at Sunday school time. That starts on your knees before God with your Bible. It's funny how we develop these patterns, you know, of Bible reading and prayer. You know, they're not separate things. They're together things. It's not you read your Bible and set it aside and then you pray. It's you get that book out. And, you know, a conversation goes two ways. Who likes to be in a conversation with somebody who does all the talking? No, that is not a conversation. That is a monologue. And it's boring. Amen. Even when I'm preaching, amen, I like dialogue. You say something, they say, that's right, preacher. Amen. It helps, amen. It's not a monologue. It's a conversation. Anyways. 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 Amen. But you've got to acquire a Scripture. And Let me give you a third thing that will help you develop a good Christian testimony. You have to advance some sound Christian character in your life. Look at Romans chapter 3 with me if you would. Romans chapter number 3. Romans chapter number 3. You read all down through here, chapter 10, or, or verse number 10, down through 18, and all these things. There's none righteous, no, not one, none that understandeth, none that seeketh after God. They've all gone out of the way, they've all together become unprofitable. You read all these things here. You know, as we grow in this Christian life, we ought to have a desire to develop some sound Christian character. Amen, when we get saved, we become a new creature in Christ. Not remade, amen, not modified, not restructured, but brand new, amen. I love that message, all those new things. Amen, you know, in this, I don't know how it is out here in Manitoba, but over in Nova Scotia, we have a boutique called Francoise. And it's a used clothing store. And and my wife will say, I'm going to Frenchies, Francois. You know, there's not a whole lot of new clothes that happen around our house, amen? I mean, if you can get a shirt for $4 or you can spend $40, we're going $4, amen? We have four boys. They go through a lot of clothes, amen? And there's not much new that comes on these bodies, amen? But you know what? One day there's going to be some new stuff. And when I got saved, I remember as a child, mom, she used to take us over there to the Salvation Army and to Francois Boutique. She'd sit us there in that bin while she pilfered through all the used clothes trying to find some shirts and pants and all this kind of stuff. And we'd sit there in the bin and we'd play while she shopped. Amen. Man, I remember getting something new at the birthday or the Christmas. Woo, this is new, you know. When I got saved, I got something new. I didn't want any part of the old stuff. Now, it did creep on me. Now and again, amen, that old flesh. I figured if Paul had the battle, I'm probably not exempt. Yeah. Amen. But I did enjoy the fight. Yeah. Amen. You go down to that altar and say, oh man, I blew it again. And he's down there with God and, you know... You hear preaching like that on missions and you realize there's more I can do. There's more I want to do. I want to have more of a burden. Amen. You go down there again and say, God, just renew that burden. Put that spirit in me, that desire and hunger. Amen. We got a new creature when we got saved. Amen. That's why you got to mortify the deeds of the flesh and be crucified with Christ. He said, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ Liveth in me, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith, not the faith in the Son of God, but the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. And you got to start putting on some new things. You got to start thinking about some new things, some pure things, some just things, some honest things. Amen. It's not just good preaching, it's something you got to put on. Amen. You know, I, I appreciate everything the pastor said about, you know, if you get an offering and somebody sends this, you send that amount. Why? Honesty. I have no time for Christians that cheat the government. I have no time and no respect for it. Amen. And, and you know, it goes over about as well at home as it's probably going to go over here, but I'm against it. Amen. You don't cheat the government on your taxes. You don't try and find ways around it. You don't, you don't, you don't, you know, uh, do, uh, hey, be honest. There's nothing that'll damage your Christian testimony more than trying to cheat people or cheating the government. Amen. It's just not going to work well for you. And it's not good Christian character. Amen? Just do what's right. If you want to develop good Christian character, amen, you've got to have assurance of your salvation. You'll need to acquire some scripture knowledge. You'll need to advance sound Christian character in your life. You know why a lot of Christians uh, can't get some Christian character in their life? It's because they entertain themselves with everything that's not Christian. Amen? People ask me, you know, have you you seen this? Have you seen that? No. No. No I, no, I haven't seen it. Amen. Why? It doesn't advance good Christian character in my life. A lot of times now, even the news, man, I, I stop consuming much news. It makes me so mad. I just can't handle it. It makes me so angry. I, there's nothing good you're going to read in the news. Even, the, we'll say, I only look at the conservative news. That's worse. Yep. It's worse because it, you know, you see how it should be and, and they're telling you how it's not. It makes me even more angry. Amen. I just can't handle it. Why? It doesn't advance good Christian character in my life. Amen. You know why I like being around God's people? Because it does. It does. It helps me. It helps me have fruit of the Spirit. It helps with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. God's people help with that. And why I need that in my life. Amen. You know what else we need to develop some good Christian uh, testimony in our life? We need to act On biblical separation amen I'm thankful that I was raised in a conservative family amen we had conservative dress standards we had conservative music standards we had conservative. we had conservative living standards we as kids did not dictate to our parents what was allowable in our house I was raised in a home where our parents told us what we were going to do whether we liked it or not amen it was forced separation i grew up playing hockey and i loved it you know uh, maybe i'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow but my dad believed in controlled exposure and so i played hockey growing up but you know there was a forced biblical separation and that was that there was no hockey game that i played in that interfered with church or anything else that was going on in the church. If we had special meetings, I missed hockey. If we had church on Sunday, I missed ho- it, it it just was it was invariable in our house that that happened. And so every tournament our team would go to, I'd play all week in that tournament, and we'd get there to the championship game and guess when it was? Yeah. On Sunday. You know what I knew? I wasn't going. I may have been player of the game all week in every game. It did not matter. It did not make the coaches very happy. But I'll tell you what it did in my life. It developed some Christian character. Amen. My dad, I would say, Dad, you need to tell the coach I'm not going to be there. He said, no, son, you need to tell the coach you're not going to be there. I remember the last year I played organized hockey, I made the traveling team. I was so excited. It was the first year we actually had to do dry land training. You know, we had to get out there on the soccer field, and we had to be able to run laps in a certain amount of time, and we had to be able to do this and do that, and the push-ups and the sit-ups and all that kind of stuff. And I made it! And you know the craziest thing about making it? I never trained at all. You know, all my friends are out there doing this. And I just, I never did that. I just went there and did it and passed and made the team. Man, I was so excited. And dad came to me and he said, son, you know, you can't play on this team. I said, I can't play on the team. I mean, they got, they got jer- they got socks that matched their jerseys. Do you know how important that is? They got helmets with the team sticker on the helmet." That team bought you your sticks. Dad said, you can't play. I, I knew from the onset I was not going to be able to play, but I played ignorant. I can't play. He said, you know you can't play. Why? Well, because they travel on the weekends, and they practice on Sunday morning. You can't play. I know. And so they... we went to the team coach and told them, we can't play. Okay, you can't play. They kicked me down to the next level. I I was still pretty excited. They had matching socks, but they didn't have the stickers and they didn't buy your sticks. But it was still okay. I was okay with that. We found out their practices were at six on Sunday mornings. I said, Dad, we don't have to miss church for this. It's before church. I can go to practice, and we can still get to church. He said, Son, it's Sunday. And you're not playing or practicing or anything else on Sunday. (sighs) I know. So they kicked me down to the next level. There was nothing exciting about the next level down. It was the house league. It was where everybody went that couldn't make the other teams. There was guys that couldn't skate. There was guys whose dad still tied their skates for them. It was terrible. It was terrible. I said, they, did, they did not care if you went to practice. They just needed players. They did not even have socks that matched their shirts. I said, Dad this is terrible. He said, son, it's this or nothing. Okay. Well, needless to say, I was not loved anywhere except on my team. Everywhere we went. They had to check birth certificates that year to make sure I was in the right age category. They hated me because I was supposed to be playing here. Now I was playing here and we won everything. It's bad when you have five players and a goalie and one guy can make that much difference. It was bad. <laughs> Dad came to me the next year. He said, son, I said, do you want to try out for the traveling team? No. Son, do you want to try out for the A team? No. You know, Dad, I was thinking. I was thinking that this year maybe I wouldn't play hockey." Huh? Okay. All right. That sounds good. What do you want to do? I said, well, we're pretty busy at church. And I'd just like to get more involved at church. And I dad didn't smile, but he may as well have. Yeah. Because I knew in here he was. Okay, son, we'll try and just be a little more involved in church. Amen. You kind of have to separate after a while. Amen? And now all these young guys were out there, they're better than me at everything. And I hate that, amen. But it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. But there's going to come a time you'll have to, if you want to have good Christians. You know the, those guys, they went to my dad, they said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you're distra- he, he could be your meal ticket. And dad said, well, maybe so. But that's not what's important to me. And so on we went. Nobody could understand. But you know what? Dad had separated himself from public opinion a long time ago. And he helped me do that. Amen? He never went for me. I had to go for myself. You go tell him you can't play. You go tell the coach you won't be there. You go tell him. You go tell them you're not going to the team party. You go tell them you're not going. I, n- I never went to any of the houses of any of the people that I played with. I was just this guy. I showed up for practice, showed up for the games. We did all that, but they were not my friends, nor were they ever allowed to be. And after a while, you know what happened? I just kind of separated myself from that. It wasn't. I had better friends at church. Brother Dave Muckle, he was one of them. I had better friends over there. somebody's shocked by that, huh? Man, we had great times. You know what we did? We learned to play instruments together. We learned to sing in church together. And we did various other things together that we're not going to talk about. But I separated myself from that unto that. And you know what? I thank God for that. I thank God. You know what the truth of the matter is? I never would have made it anyway. Remember, I am the guy that didn't even try out, or I didn't even train for the tryouts. You know, that's not going to cut it, the further you go. Amen? And so many Christians, they'll sacrifice everything for the hope, for the dream, for the idea. Amen? You're going to have to separate yourself from that. It's not going to work. Amen? If you want to be known as a Christian, you're going to have to act on biblical separation. You know, Another thing that you're going to have to do, look at Psalm 19, and I'm almost finished. Psalm 19. Psalm 19, look at verse 14. He says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. You are going to have to arrange some solid scriptural convictions in your life. Well, I'll tell you, as I grew up in church, convictions were a strange thing for me. You, everybody had different convictions. Everybody had different ideas. Some guys you had to do this, some guys you had to do that. You know what I had to decide? I want whatever I do and whatever I say and however I live to be acceptable in thy sight. If you want to be known as a Christian, you're going to have to do that in your life. you have to stop worrying about what other people think. You know, I know my style and my way. It's not like I like my cowboy boots and my—I mean, I'm not a cowboy. I've never been to Texas. I'm not any of those things. I just like them. I just like them, and so I wear them. Amen. I, I like my son. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he—I mean, this guy—he likes uh, dressing up and doing all those. But you know what? Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to get some convictions for yourself. Something between you and the Lord, amen? And I know everybody teaches this differently. I I like how the brother said, in my mind, I make sense of it this way. In my mind, I made sense of it this way. This is the standard. This is the standard. And my conviction is how God leads me according to the standard. You know, everything in here is not spelled out in black and white, but the Holy Ghost of God just leads you in certain ways according to the standard. You know, the standard for our dress is modesty. But I realize that conviction is going to be drawn a little bit differently for different people. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I just want what I do to be acceptable in His sight. Amen. You're going to have to develop some of that in your life amen i remember my dad he always had pretty strict standards when it came to that stuff and i had to conform to his standard amen one of those things was a crazy thing he said son and you know as soon as i started getting a few sprigs on my face boy i wanted to grow facial hair i said dad you have a mustache why can't i grow some i mean my wife if i grew just a mustache she would probably leave me i don't know she's just she's don't go there but i just that was something that i really wanted to do and my dad just said no i said why dad he said there's no reason just no you're not going to do that i remember one time i decided i was i don't know if dave remembers this i decided i was going to get smart and i figured you know he's not going to notice a little bit of growth you know and so i He knows how my dad humiliated me in front of the young people of our church. And so I decided I'm not going to shave it. I'm just going to try and, you know, leave it. And listen, you say, well, that's just such a foolish thing. Well, you know what? It helped me. It helped me. I said, Dad's never going to notice. My dad wasn't not the most observant person in the world. But somehow he noticed that I had not shaved, that I had not had a clean shave on And you know what he did before church on Sunday morning? He drove down to the store and he bought a one-bladed Bic razor and no shaving cream. And he said, son, he said, before you go to your Sunday school class, you get that off your face. You know, that was the last time I ever tried that. Man, I walked in with little Kleenexes all over the place. (laughs) You say, oh, that's, that's so foolish, that's so foolish. It taught me something. You know, a lot, of, a lot of kids, they wouldn't have... You know, my father spanked me on the platform of our church at 19 years old? A birthday spanking. He flipped up my suit coat and took a broom and whacked me 19 times over the piano bench. <laughs> you think you're pastors, whatever. You don't know my dad. My mom was furious over that. Percy, you shouldn't have done that. Percy, I don't, you know, all that. He said he needed it. I was the song leader. I taught Sunday school. All the things my dad did, I was doing at 19 years old, and he did that. Man, I was so upset. But, you know, I had to smile and lead the songs and do a, oh, man, I'm telling you. I'm, I don't know why I told you that. It's has nothing to do with convictions. But you better get some. You better let God's Word speak to you, and you better develop some Christian character. Amen. Amen? You better develop some scriptural convictions. And you know what? From God's Word, you can expect some high standards from Scripture. Scripture standards are high. Amen? You, you ought to entreat the Lord for guidance. You ought to excuse your personal preferences. You ought to examine the integrity of your heart, and you ought to take examples from others. Amen? That's how you develop them. If you want to have good Christian character, good Christian testimony, you're going to have to have some. Let me give you the last thing. If we went back to 1 Kings 22, and we won't for the sake of time, you'd find a man there named Micaiah. That Micaiah, he had a testimony. (laughs) I love that story. Amen? I love that story. But you know what you're going to have to do if you want to develop a good Christian testimony? You're going to have to achieve an established track record. Amen? Consistency. You know what we lack so much? Consistency. Amen? Every time you meet somebody, they're different. They've changed. They're they're doing it differently. They're acting differently. They're dressing differently. You know, if you want a good Christian testimony, you're going to have to achieve an established track record. Amen? Amen? You know Brother Farley there, he looks exactly the same as the first time I ever saw him. It doesn't look even like he's aged a bit. He's just the same. He preaches the same, acts the same. You know some young people and younger people, you never know what you're going to get. It's different every time you see them. Amen. If you want a good Christian testimony, you're going to have to get a hold of some things. And though everything is changing around you, everybody's going a different way around you. You're just going to have to stick to the same thing. Amen. Amen. See, I don't know why the pastor and why he won't change this. Well, because he knows the importance of an established track record. I I don't know anybody that does it Brother Carlson's way. You know, the, the, the quizzes and the throwing the pens and, you know, he, he, how he does the things. But you know what I love about it? It's just it's the same. It's the same. Back when I first started at our church, I mean, we were trying to fit more and more people all the time into this little tiny hall It was 17 feet wide and 32 feet long, and we had, at one time, 80 people Crammed in there. And every time the people would try to come in, I'd have the chairs arranged differently. Just trying to fit more. They never knew what to expect. And after a while, I, I realized after I heard little murmurings here and there, I said, Oh, I I don't think this is a good thing. Amen. It's good to keep some things the same. Just establish a track record. Amen. You know, I, I, I'm i not into a lot of formalism and traditions and all that kind of stuff, but you know, I remember back into my childhood, my dad's brother, Rolly. he was not the most spiritual person in the world, but one thing he was is he was the usher at First Bible Baptist Church from the time I can remember this big till this present day. When you go to First Bible Baptist Church at 218 Quispamsis, Hampton Road, and you walk in the back door of First Bible Baptist Church, you know who's standing there to shake your hand? Roley Lake. The same person it's been since that big. Amen. You know some point in your life you're going to have to get some roots down and establish some things somewhere. Amen. If you want to have a good Christian testimony. When I started at our church, I know there was people taking bets I wouldn't make it five years. I'll admit, I I was a little bit here and there. Amen. But you know what? By God's grace, I determined, Lord, if this is where you want me, this is where I'm going to stay. And a year and a half into the ministry, everybody almost who voted me in there had left. Gone. Everybody was gone. There was my cousin and his family and three single men. Amen? But I knew that's where God wanted me. And now, by God's grace, on October 2nd, it'll be 18 years at Amazing Grace. And I couldn't be happier. Amen? I couldn't want to be anywhere else. I mean, I I love going, I love coming here, but I'll tell you where I love to be the best. At 8479 Highway No. 1. Amazing Grace Baptist Church. I just want to have a good testimony. Amen? I want to have that. I want to have that people say, you know what, there's a Christian. Amen? Wouldn't you want that? Amen? Let's stand together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity just to bring your word once again. Thank you for this church, these people. What we heard before this, Lord, is still just sitting so heavy in my mind. And Lord, I pray, God, that we'd have a hunger and desire. Lord, I pray that we'd have a desire to be known, Lord, for who we truly are. That we desire to be Christ-like, known as Christians, and have good testimony in our communities. I pray this in Jesus' name.